Welcome back into part two of our discussion here on Locked On Sun. This is host Evan Sattery. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSattery. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Like I mentioned at the top of the show there, part two of our discussion with Dave King of Bright Side of the Sun. We're going to dive right into segment one of our show here. Talk about the revenue loss that this, the NBA is going to have here with the coronavirus pandemic going on. Can't maybe canceling the season for the NBA or even suspending it for as long as it has about the 65 game point around that point. I would say that's just a rough estimate off my part, but around that three fourths of this regular season done, you have not played the playoffs yet. A 15 to 20% revenue share loss for, and I want you to dive in a little bit more to help explain to the audience here, what we're going to hit on here first. Well, there's been a lot of talk from, People, uh, whether it's Ben Golliver at the Washington Post wrote a pretty good story about this. I think actually just on Monday here as we're recording, uh, and then John Hollinger of the Athletic had dug into it a while back when it first kind of broke that the season was was in jeopardy. And you know, Golliver had it that we're looking here at around a about a billion, if not over a billion, in loss of revenue for the league should. That's that's predicated on the regular season and postseason being completely canceled, which seems unlikely. I think it was uh, Mark Cuban today who said that some people are starting to even go sooner than expected and that they're maybe thinking it could happen as early as mid-May. So I have no idea, but it seems like the season's not going to be completely canceled. Um, John Hollinger had it somewhere between uh, $8 million in terms of how to, how it would affect next summer's salary cap, up to maybe fifteen million is another number I've seen some places. So somewhere between those two, if you split up not only among each team, but then understanding that they split income, so uh, players get just fifty percent. So uh, you get that small number from cutting it up that many times. But uh, Dave, you had kind of hinted to this in our episode yesterday that. There's a probably, unfortunately, for maybe the the right and wrong here, so to speak, there might be a little bit of an urgency from teams because they're losing money and they can't afford to keep right. doing that. Yeah. So if you're talking about <clears throat> if you're talking about uh, a raw high end number of about a billion dollars, if nothing comes back, if nothing happens going forward from uh, Ben Golliver calculating. That's money that's obviously not in these owners' pockets, and they're not used to having money taken out of their pockets. They're used to actually making more money every single year on this league and not losing it. So they're going to be really wanting play to come back. But also, when you talk about the potential $8 million or so or $10 million that could be um, lopped off of the salary cap for next year as a result, because what happens is, basketball related income is what is used from the prior year is what is used to set the next year's salary cap. Well, if that's cut by 20, 25%, then, you know, they're the, um, they have to take that out of the next salary cap because you can't, you can't have the players making too much money and the owners not getting their 50, 50 share and so on. So, there, there, there will be a big impact on the salary cap. Now, a couple of years ago when it went in the other direction, I guess it wasn't a couple of years ago. Was it 2015, um, 2014, 16, when 16, when yeah, 2016. Thank you. When the, the players refused to smooth out the salary cap jump because of the big multi-billion dollar renewals with the networks, 
that's when Kevin Durant was able to slip over to Golden State because all of a sudden every team had an extra $20 million to spend that they didn't know they had. And, and the players refused to smooth that out over multiple seasons. They wanted all their money that summer. And so you get these, these crappy contracts like, uh, oh, man, it's been, it's been a while and I've forgotten some of the names, but, you know, average guys. Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb making $18 million a year. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. That's where Tyler Johnson came from. Um, exactly. And you've got all those backup centers that are making 15 to $18 million a year. And it's just, yeah. it's just nuts. Timothy Mozgov is, the, is yeah. one of the big ones, right? Luol Dang. Luol Dang. So that all was the overpay summer. Well, if, if it works in reverse this time, now teams are getting eight to $10 million less. Let's just be, uh, let's just be fair. Could be 20 uh, because the salary cap being over a hundred million. If you take 20% of it away, you could lose 20% of your salary cap, which is $20 million. But if you, let's just say they're nice and they agree to smooth out the drop in the salary cap a little bit, um, you've got still eight to 10 million less. Well, nobody had money this next summer anyway, but now more teams will be in the luxury tax and have to pay extra money back to the league for something that they didn't do, right? This, this, this whole virus thing shut the league down, not owners. And now you've got um, players who suddenly are going to be looking at lower salaries this next year for multi-year contracts. And it's going to last for years, especially if it's, if it's smoothed out. So if you've got a smoothed out kill to the salary cap that doesn't autom- immediately get recovered somehow, which I don't know how you could recover any lost games because you can't play more games than you were going to next year. Um, but say they, they don't, they have to smooth out all this loss. That's, that's several years of lower salaries for members or for, uh, for players. Um, and then you've got these max extension guys. Who are the three guys again, um, Brendan? You said you, you had those. Yeah, uh, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons, and, and Jamal Murray. Yeah, those guys signed max extensions with that being a percentage of the team's individual salary cap. Well, if that team's individual salary cap goes down by 10%, those guys ta- lost a lot of money in, in their extensions, and they'll never get that back. Um, and you'll see that in, in summer contracts as well. So that might feed back to, let's bring Aaron Baines back because he'll come back for cheap now. Um, <laughs> if the season doesn't return, cause there won't be any money to spend. Um, so yeah, I definitely bring Aaron Baines back, but that's a huge, huge impact to several years of the next, of, of the NBA. If the NBA does not resume play this summer. Yeah, it's going to have definitely a huge impact. And I think it's one where the Suns could take advantage if they theoretically want to this summer, they're going to have around 20 million dollars of cash space. They renounce a lot of guys, Brent, anything else you want to hit on as far as something one goes or do you want to dive straight into Suns and how they could take advantage of maybe this free agency and other stuff heading forward into our next segments? Yeah, that's cool. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. All righty. We'll, we'll be right back guys. Let's dive in now, Brennan, into how this impacts the Phoenix Suns this offseason. Dave, I'll start off with you first because let, let's say the revenue shares do drop, which we all expect they should at this point with what's happening with coronavirus. Do you think with the Suns, you mean maybe you bring out Aaron Baines on a shorter deal like we were talking about the last summit there. If you announce Dario Saric, Elliot Kobo, Javon Carter, check the and Frank Kaminsky, you're, you're at around, I think, around $20, $18 million, around the $18, $20 million range, Dave. So this could be an offseason where the Suns could be bargain bin shopping and taking advantage if it's cheaper markets out there. Yeah. So you're going to have, right, exactly. So the Suns will have less money too, though. So if the Suns cap goes down by 10 million, 
then they'll have only eight to 10 to spend on the open market. Now they could bring Aaron's veins back for more because they have his bird rights um, if they don't renounce him. Um, but, you know, there's, there's all those machinations or you could keep everybody and just re-sign people on bird's rights and mid-level exceptions and things like that, which the Suns could actually spend more money this summer um, than they otherwise had planned to. So actually this could be beneficial for the Suns for the cap to go down by a lot when they were going to have room because other teams, they'll be that much closer to the luxury tax. So they're not going to want to, this isn't going to be a windfall for other teams, but it could be where this, this, the Suns could be one of a half a dozen teams with suddenly more bargaining power in the off season because of this drop in the salary cap. Um, I haven't thought through all the permutations, but I do feel sure. like the Suns are in the prime position to, be able to take advantage of this drop salary cap because player demands will be lower and their money will go further than other teams that are now suddenly that much closer to the luxury tax. It's uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I think obviously uh, we're all kind of just trying to make sense of what this could look like. And it's an interesting exercise as we think about not only this, the league trying to get back on track, but the just ripple effects, which we talked about in our first episode of the schedule. This is obviously a big one as well. Um, I think the, the first place my mind went when it came to how the Suns might plan for this, you know, if they, I had been kind of operating under the assumption that they, they're going to keep Baines's cap hold on the books, which is pretty expensive. So over $10 million. And, and so is Dario Saric's qualifying offer, which I, I wasn't sure they would keep, but generally teams like to keep that restricted matching rights even if they don't intend to, to keep the player just to have the ability to, if, if no one is interested in their player, I think it's probably more likely that they keep Sharich's qualifying offer on the books right now, because if they do that and they keep Baines, his, his cap hold there, those are both about 10, then they basically would be over the cap already going into the off season. You know, teams have to make the decision, which I'm sure most fans will, will be familiar with. You basically go into free agency deciding if you're going to be over or under the cap. I think it makes it more likely that they this summer just say, okay, well, we were going to maybe have a, a tiny bit of wiggle room here if we had really cut loose everybody. At this point, maybe it doesn't make too much sense. So let's maybe make a little bit more of an effort to keep our own guys and not more of an effort to sign free agents. And that would allow them, like you said, Dave, with the bird rights for Baines and other machinations that that allows for them. They get a little bit of a bigger... Uh, mid-level exception if they're over the cap and and all of that. I think that's probably where we'll see them go based on the changes that are probably going to be coming their way. Yeah, absolutely. I see them going over the cap now for sure if the salary cap goes down. This is all predicated on what if the NBA had to cancel the whole season because nothing resumed in time to finish the season. Yeah, but even if, you know, even if it comes back in some capacity, they're going to lose. It's just a matter of how much are they losing. I don't think anyone expects that they're going to fit the entire rest of the regular season and playoffs. I would be pretty surprised if they pulled that off. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, so it's just a matter of how much do they lose. Period. Yeah. It's just a matter of how much they lose. I love, and we don't have time for this on this podcast, but maybe on another episode we could talk about, it. I love Spencer Dinwiddie's option of just doing a 2018 tournament with the last two spots being a four team playoff. So you get all 30 teams with a chance to make the playoffs. So it's a play in two, two play in games for the, for the 27, the 28 seeds. 
So not everybody gets full playoff series, but at least you get one chance to make the playoffs. And then it's just series of, of five after, or maybe a single elimination. I think he said single elimination. Imagine that. Imagine having one awesome game against the Lakers and knocking them off. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think from a Suns perspective to, to finish up the scheduling aspect of this, Evan, it's not something we've talked about, but it would be pretty fun if they do some version of a play in tournament for the playoffs that would give the Suns a little bit of new life to at least play some meaningful games and give themselves, even if it's a tiny chance, cause they'd be a pretty low seed in that I would imagine to, uh, to at least get to, it would be fun. I mean, I would love to watch that and I'd be even more excited to have the Suns be a part of it because we had all kind of bid farewell to the playoffs. That would give some new life to some teams that, uh, that had said goodbye. But do you have anything else, Evan, on the Suns angle of this before we kind of jump even further into the future and talk about what the next few summers might look like? No, I think that's pretty much it. I, I think we covered it pretty well there. The Suns are definitely flexible this summer and I really am curious, honestly, even outside of Phoenix, what this is, how this is going to impact the NBA this summer because I feel like it's going to be a vastly different one than we're used to, of course. Definitely not a good time to be a free agent. I think we should, that that's going to be uh, disappointing for guys. This was who, already a terrible summer. Now it's even terrible, even more terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, you might've been able to convince yourself if you were one of these mid tier free agents that, Oh, well, there's really nobody else available. Maybe I could cash in. And now it's looking like, well, no one's going to cash in and the league's going to have to be pretty frugal, but uh, let's let's look a little bit into the future here as we play around with these numbers. Wait, one just, more comment on the rest of ahead. 2020. I was just going to say that while we're all suffering right now with zero sports, imagine we're going to be coming back to eternal spring on sports when they finally <laughs> open back up. The light at the there end of the tunnel. Any off season, like the off season, will be a jam packed free agency and trade season. There won't be and any NFL season. start of the NFL, NFL season at the boom, same time and yeah. basketball running up against the clock. And then just, it's all trades and bet draft. And then it's back to the regular season and then it's playoffs again. And then it's the NFL and there's, there's never going to be an off season again after this. So think about the positives here. This could be like eternal spring on sports. Yes, definitely something to keep us, uh, optimistic as we wonder what's next from the sports and also all the other stuff part of the world right now. But uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's take a quick break. Just a reminder for you guys, as you're spending a little more time around the house, you can tell your smart speaker to play the podcast locked on Phoenix suns. It'll queue it up right away for you. If you'd like to add it to your morning routine, I know you can build those out through the app. Go ahead and say, wake me up with podcast locked on phoenix suns it'll add that in for you and you can have our show kind of wake you up in the morning and tell you what you missed the prior day we will be right back okay the the first thing as we look into the future that i wanted to get your thoughts on dave so i think the biggest financial thing for the suns they you know they have rubio and and Ubre expiring at some point, they have they'll keep adding young players and obviously the normal turnover of an NBA roster. But biggest things on the horizon are the extensions for Aiton and Bridges. So to run through the math a little bit, I mean it's it's all very very rough right now, considering we don't even know what next year's cap will be as we just finished discussing. So yeah. we definitely don't know what it would be like afterward. But if you expect a little bit of a, a similar jump up after this season with just the the strange nature of, of this year with, with the pandemic shutting things down, uh, you'd, be, you'd be looking at a maximum for Aiton by the time he gets it 
the the I would expect the cap basically would be crawling back up to where it is right now, as as crazy as that sounds to say. But two years from now, if it jumps normally, it'll kind of get back to where it should be. So Aiton would be around twenty nine million in year one, twenty five percent of the cap, and uh, Bridges, you know, just a spitball, but somewhere around twenty million. So if you use those numbers, and there's about a hundred and ten million dollar cap or something like that. The Suns are at a, at eighty three million just for their core three young players, and that doesn't even throw in all the other stuff they're going to do. So this tightening, when the whole league is expecting just this continued build of money available to them to spend to upgrade their roster, it doesn't just affect this season, but it means that we're building back up from an even lower point, and and uh, we're you know teams with young players are going to have to start to get a little bit more creative. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's kind of part it's it's kind of the cost of doing business. So the good NBA teams, let's look at Portland for example. Um what they're able to do is cuz they've got um Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum as their two max semi max guys, right? McCollum was just is just a hair under a max. He's not really a max, but he's close enough. And of course Damian Lillard's max. And then you've got like a third guy who makes pretty good money, which in their case is the use of Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside range guys, right? Cause Whiteside makes 18, 20 million, I think something like that. Um, <clears throat> and then the rest of it is mix and match. And you have to be good at developing, but first of all, your top three guys have to be difference makers. And in second, you've got to be good at developing or finding role players who don't make quite as much money, but outperform their contracts. And then you've got to find young guys who can perform and Portland's problem Portland was good for a few years finding all those sub, those complementary players. Their problem this past year is when they had to replace Yusuf Nurkic because of the broken leg. Um, all of a sudden, they settled on Hassan Whiteside, and while he's got great counting stats, he's not. He's just someone who's always been like kind of a net negative. He lost his rotation job almost in Miami, even after getting a big extension. So, and now and then their their role players didn't really pan out or got hurt, and now you see Portland who's barely better than the Suns this year with those top three big contracts and the rest being fill-ins. So now the Suns would have joined that kind of group of teams and that could one year be 50 win team, get second, third round of the playoffs next year, not make the playoffs because the wrong guys get hurt and the wrong guys underperform. I mean, it's just trading one thing for another, but I'd rather be the Portland kind of team with that potential than the rebuilding Sacramento Kings kind of team or, or worse that never does reach the playoffs, you know? So we, we I think it's just my opinion. I think Deandre Ayton is going to end up in his prime, even as early as next year, being a bigger, bigger difference maker than Hassan Whiteside. I would hope. And, <laughs> well, he should, right? I mean, he profiles as better because he's, because of his huge strides on defense this year. He'll have similar stats. He'll be a better offensive player and he'll be a better defensive player. Um, and so I think Aiton will be more impactful for his 27 to $29 million. Cause his also, his contract will go down a little bit if the cap goes down, cause it's a percentage of, um, Devin Booker is always going to be paid a huge amount, but he proved this year he's always going to produce at that too. Mikel Bridges, you may end up seeing that he, my God, I hope he doesn't get overpaid because you were counting on him becoming a 15 points a game guy with all the stuff he brings. You don't want to pay 20 million a year to a dude who averages nine points, you know? So then you've, then you've, then you've got to find real gems for the rest of your roster. 
Yeah, and I think an interesting question I wanted to ask you, Dick, because we touched on this, Brent and I, a lot on the podcast recently during this time, but how important of a year is the next year, you think, for Kelly Oubre and Mikhail Bridges? Because let's say, just hypothetically, Mikhail's like an 18 to $20 million pure guy on his next contract. Kelly, I imagine at this point, if he plays like he did this time, this year and last year, probably a 20 to $20 plus million guy on the open market next year, I imagine. I feel like the Suns have a big, big decision to make with either of those two guys. I feel like they should play those two an awful lot together next year if they stay together. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Take advantage of them and play them an awful lot next year, for sure. Cause the Suns proved it this year that they're a better team when the two of them are on the court together. And so you got to measure forwards and the Suns were not getting killed on rebounding to offset the value they brought on defense. So absolutely play them a ton together, but can you keep them into 21, 22 that way? I don't know. Cause you can't have eight and Booker already making 25 plus a year, 27, 28 plus a year and have two $20 million a year guys. The NBA does not support that. Golden state only did it for a few years because of that huge bump in the salaries. Nobody can go that high and long on contracts. They just can't. So the, the sons will have to make a choice at that point. It's definitely kind of drawing. I think the all these negotiations, not like free agency negotiations, but internal decision-making that that's happening. I mean, it, it's all, all this stuff is always interconnected and we're always thinking about it and, and front offices are having to make plans. I think it's just going to get obviously a lot tighter here and it's going to be, it's going to just make the the teams who can navigate it the most effectively. Uh, they're going to be even more ahead than they normally are. The smart teams are always in a better position seemingly than the rest of the league. I think that could be even more stark uh, from a son's perspective I think you're right, Dave. I did want to correct myself because you also made a good point that uh, Booker won't be quite as high because his max is is going to be a percentage of the cap. Just like no, Hayden's no, no. Sorry, be. I'd said it, I might have said it wrong. Then no, Booker's already set. He's already set. So if the salary cap goes way down, Booker's a much bigger max percent than anyone thought because he's already done. But isn't it a it's, it's Aiden who will go down? Convincer isn't it a, a percentage of of each Not year after the cap first year? Time? No. no. Okay. Okay. Only You're right. Yeah. Year. It's just that first year. Okay. Yeah. So, so I did have it right. So he'll be at 34 down. million. Yeah. He'll be outsized. Yeah. So, so he'll be, he'll be a balloon taking up more than, than his space normally would. And usually and so, yeah. that percentage of space goes down a little bit for him, yeah. it'll go up. And so that will be a killer there as long, but he's already proven he's going to outperform anyway. He will, but, but, it, but like but you're Aiden saying, the these teams connected. can't, they can't stack up these, 20 million plus contracts so you have to nail on the margins you have to you have to if you're going to move on from Ubre, you have to replace him with a cheaper player who's going to produce you have to keep yeah investing in the draft and all these things so now when i say can't obviously they can because of bird rights logistically they, they can't it's just tighter <laughs> yeah. yeah right Anything else, Brandon, you want to cover with Dave here before we end this two-parter? I know it's been a fun discussion here, and we went over an awful lot here. Yeah, quick reminder for everybody, we talked about it in part one. Head over to Bright Side of the Sun to donate if you're in the local community or have attachment to the Valley. We are trying to raise some money for people who need it. We're, as of Monday, at $800. It'd be really awesome to see it at least get to 1000 from people who listen to this. Let's start start the goal there and keep building. So people who uh, really need the money right now can can find a little bit more. All right. appreciate everyone listening on this latest episode of Locked on Suns. Appreciate you coming on as well, Dave. We'll be back with the guests tomorrow for next episode.